0: Here is Pastor Ed Taylor.
1: You you really want to get out of your funk that you're in right now and out of the difficulty, start doing good. Offer the sacrifice of praise and start doing good and sharing what you have. It's so counterintuitive. In tough times, we begin to to just circle around everything that we have and that we are, and we start to self-protect ourselves, and it just makes things worse.
0: This is amazing Thank you for being with us today. This is Abounding Grace, and Pastor Ed Taylor will join us with a study in Hebrews 13 in just a moment. Now, just think for a second about all that God has done for you. Right there at the top of the list is dying for our sins on the cross. Now, in light of all that, doesn't it just make you want to express your love to Him? Pastor Ed is going to suggest a couple of ways we can do that, and the first is through our praise and worship.
1: Take your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13. We're actually going to pick up in verse 15, as we didn't really adequately cover that last time. So we'll be in Hebrews 13, verse 15, in a Bible study that I've entitled, Jesus came to bring you peace. Jesus came to bring you peace. And so here we are in our last study Verse by verse, through the book of Hebrews, we launched into studying Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, on January 20th, 2018. And we've taken verse by verse along the way. We don't have any artificial time frame or timelines. We address the text as it comes up, and then we address the, the current events that are going on. And we go, we go through various things of, of wanting the Holy Spirit to speak to us. But now we're finally in this last section where we'll end in Hebrews 13. Notice with me verse 15. Therefore by him, speaking of Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. So let's pause there and grab some context. Go back to the verse therefore in verse 12. You notice, therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, he suffered outside the gate. So there's a conclusion there. Then he comes to another conclusion. Because of what Jesus did, and that word therefore, uh, you can always replace the word therefore with this phrase because of, because of. So, so when you look at it, you go, because of what you just read, then you now, let's go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Remember, we learned last time as believers, we're really the outsiders. We're not the insiders of culture. There is really a, there there is truly a real distinction of us being outside of what's normal in this culture, as it should be. Christians are countercultural. Jesus Christ is, was, and will always be countercultural. His message is not acceptable in this culture. It's not liked. It's not wanted. It is dismissed. It is redefined, and so we choose to identify with him, and we go outside the camp, and we bear his reproach. And I I saw in the New Living Translation. I was rereading this section this week, and outside the camp, and that reproach was translated disgrace. That we follow Jesus and we we associate with his disgrace, and how he was treated. And he says, now with that in mind, he says in verse 14, for, which is another, these are all concluding words, can say the same thing. Because of, because of, and then verse 14, because here we have no continuing city. There's, no, there's nothing for us here. There, there's nothing of lasting value on the earth. But we seek the one that's to come. Because of all that, we need to continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, verse 16, For we do, but do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Suffering, going through great hardship, literally drains the joy and worship out of a person. And I'm sure many of you can relate, you just, you just down and it's difficult and worship isn't something that you're interested in. And don't think of just worship in terms of song, although here it is focused on song because he uses the word praise. But, but worship in ta- in, in encompasses everything about our lives. Everything that we do can be an act and sacrifice of worship. But in particular here, he is referring to singing, that we offer to God the sacrifice of singing, especially when things are hard. Because as, it, as the joy and worship drains out of you, you just get tired of it all. And you get mad and sad and upset. You choose to isolate yourself and run away. And Paul says in the midst of this, remember in chapter 13, it's just a bunch of exhortations, a lot of small encouragements, a lot of small uh, instructions. And he says, hey, don't forget to continually offer the sacrifice of praise. Sacrifice of praise, he matches, notice also in verse 16, with doing good and sharing. And he puts them all together in a place of sacrifices. Where, you know, when you think of sacrifice, it's something that you do that you truly don't want to do, or something that you do that costs you something, that, that brings to you a personal self-denial when you think of sacrifice, a personal self-denial. You know, oftentimes when we think of sacrifice, we we think of the animals being offered on the, uh, and that's what they would immediately think of, the animals being offered on the altar at the temple that were offered in order to appease God and to obey God. But now no longer are we sacrificing animals because Jesus was sacrificed. Now we have the privilege of sacrificing praise, because worship is the highest activity that we'll ever attain to in life. It is that vertical relationship with God. In Revelation chapter 4 verse 11, I like how the old King James, the original King James, translates this. In Revelation 4 11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We were created to worship God. It is His desire. It it is His will for us to sacrifice praise. Sacrifice means when you don't want to do it. When you don't desire to. This is a way to be encouraged. It's often what we'll refer to when you're giving of your tithes and offerings. That that many times there is a giving of sacrifice. It it costs you. It's painful. And, And it's amazing because giving... Giving is one of the easiest things. It it is one of those things that you can truly give without much pain at all. It it is a very easy thing to do, to write a check or set up online. It's very easy to do. Well, singing is even easier. It's even easier to sing to God. But it requires you to self, to, to deny yourself in those times when you're under great weight of pain and sorrow and difficulty. To sing. That's why it's one of the good, one of the reasons I think God created us to be together. Because even when you're fighting God, when you know you should be singing, you know you should be, you just don't. Or you won't. Or it's just overwhelming and you're sad and you don't want to. Where you're in a room with other people that are singing and sometimes you just kind of ride their song and their voice. You just kind of ride along and go, you know, I don't want to sing, but the guy next to me, I I mean, he's singing loud enough for all of us, so I'm just going to ride along with him. And it's okay to do that. But all along the way, that's intended to be an encouragement to you, that you too can be the voice to encourage someone else. And then there's a voice added to a voice, added to a voice, and before you know it, the room is filled with encouragement. It's one of the reasons why we have brought back to our church um, our church services the reading out loud of the bible together because it's just so encouraging to hear the bible read out loud by the brother next to you and the sister behind you where the word of god fills the room but it also fills our hearts and doing good you you really want to get out of your funk that you're in right now and out of the difficulty start doing good offer the sacrifice of praise and start doing good and sharing what you have it's so counterintuitive In tough times, we begin to to just circle around everything that we have and that we are and we start to self-protect ourselves and it just makes things worse. Today, right now, you'll have an opportunity in just a few moments to sing again. Offer the sacrifice, obey God. As deep and as difficult, even if you're online right now or listening on the radio, like offer to God, obey Him. Let Him meet you in that place of obedience and then choose to do good. And to share with what you have. Don't hoard it, but give it away as unto the Lord. As we have been talking, be the church and allow him to use you. Notice verse 17 we covered, but it's worth reading for the context. Obey those who rule over you. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. So we covered that in a couple studies. Uh, Those are available. I'd encourage you uh, to pick those up on the app or on the website. Verse 18, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this, that I might be restored to you the sooner. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, Through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints, those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. I'm sure this hasn't been an easy letter for the first century Hebrew believers to receive. It has been a strong exhortation of a letter, it's been filled with strong warnings. And you don't expect strong warnings when you're suffering. But remember, when you're suffering, when you're doubting, when you're wrestling with things, you're in a vulnerable place. And while God may send you a brother or sister to encourage you, you have to expect that God will send you someone that will exhort you, that will look you in the eye and say, this is not the way you should go. These are not the decisions you should make. You consider God high and lifted up. Remember what you've been taught. And you can go through the entirety of the book of Hebrews and just like, whoa, wait, wait, whoa, wait a minute. Don't you know how hard it is? Don't you know what I've lost? Don't you know what we're going through? And you can hear along the way, I'm certain for many of you, you, whatever time you've been with us through the book of Hebrews, it hasn't been easy for you either. Where you're thinking, and even then, what did he do? A couple of times he, he took them into deep, deep, controversial doctrines. He goes, here's one of your problems. You don't believe right. That's your problem. You don't have the right belief. So let's sort out your right beliefs because Paul knew that if you have the right beliefs, then you'll behave properly. So what does Paul say? He says in verse 22, he says, hey, I I appeal to you. Would you just bear with this word of exhortation? Stick with me. And he says, it's kind of comical. I've written to you in a few words. I don't know what a few words means to him, but that seemed like a lot of words in the book of Hebrews. But he's like, hey, I could have said, it's like he's saying, I could have said much more. I could have said so much more to you, but I think what I've shared is enough. It was a hard letter to receive. You got wavering, wandering, backsliding, ready to give it all up people that are already vulnerable. And they receive a letter that's strongly worded, a strongly worded letter. A correction. And who likes correction? Especially when you're already ready to throw in the towel anyway. You, would, you wouldn't expect to be corrected, but correction is a part of good, solid friendship. And notice it back in verse 18, he says, I want you to pray for us. I want you to pray for us. After all that he said, he sends them into prayer. And he says, pray for us because we're confident that we're living with a good conscience. There's a confidence in what Paul wrote, what the author wrote here, that I did so with my conscience clean. And it's a good thing to be able to look you in the eye and say, my conscience is clean. I'm not hiding anything. I'm not holding back anything. I have a confidence because I was obedient. And, And not only that, he says, I have a conscience that's in all things desiring to live honorably. I have a clean conscience for the moment, but I intend to live with a clean conscience going forward. And let me just say the best route, the best road to a clean conscience is honesty. Being honest with God, which leads to being honest with yourself, which leads to being honest with other ones. In in 1 John, we actually learn that if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light has that that picture of honesty. Honesty leads to a clean conscience. And so Paul says he has one. And he's saying that he believes in prayer. Notice what he wanted to pray for. He says, I'm urging you, verse 19, that you pray so that I could come to you sooner. He really believes in the power of prayer. He's reminding them that prayer genuinely affects things. And he believes that if they pray for him, that he might might be able to join them sooner than expected. That barriers will be taken out of the way. Doors would be opened. And we believe here, when we pray, when we seek the Father in the name of the Spirit, in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, that our prayers can affect things and change things. That that God wants to change human government and natural law. He wants to exhibit miraculous works that would get our attention upon him. He wants to bring healing physically, emotionally, practically, medically. But one of the challenges when it comes to prayer, of course, is, well, then how does God do that? How does it work? And many of you are stuck right now in your prayer life because you need, you're just like in your mind, whether you voice it or not, you're just demanding to know how. And so you may even email me. or You might call the radio. You might come after, how does prayer work? And I'll give you the answer. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have that explanation for you. It's one of the mysteries that God has held close to his chest, if you will. And instead, he just says, pray. Trust me. I don't, under, I don't understand all the dynamics of prayer, how God chooses to use it. I just know he does. And I know that God honors prayer. And I know that God uses prayer. And I've not only seen it in the Bible, but I've seen it in my own life. And that God will use prayer to draw me to Him more than anything. That before the answer ever comes, He is the answer. And I'm drawn to trust Him. And then He says in verse 20: Now may the God of peace, I love that, the God of peace to a group of people that are in turmoil, to a group of people that are worried, to a group of people that are are flustered and wandering and worrying. He reminds them it's the God of peace. Don't forget God has peace for you. And it's such an encouragement and reminder. Not only is he a God of peace, but he's powerful. And he brought up the Lord Jesus from the dead. You guys think it's just a simple decision because you're going through great trials right now but your faith in Jesus Christ is rooted in the power of the resurrection and the hope of the resurrection. Not only that, but you want to go ahead, away from verse 20, your great shepherd of the sheep. The great shepherd. In, you know, in the New King James, it has shepherd capitalized. This is the shepherd that, that taught us and demonstrated that he lays down his life for the sheep. You want to leave Jesus? He died for you. You want to leave Jesus? He rose again from the dead for you. You want to leave Jesus? He's living in you. And he points you and me to the God of all peace. Hold your places here. Let's turn back to Romans chapter 5 for a moment. Romans chapter 5. It's good to be reminded today that you have peace with God. And that peace with God has come through the finished work of Jesus. You don't have to fight God anymore. You don't have to be angry with the Lord anymore. You can have a simple life with a clean conscience filled with prayer, obedience, praising, doing good, sharing, and enjoying life. Notice verse one of chapter five of Romans. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Do you notice that phrase in verse 1? We have peace with God. God has made peace with us. And those that have peace, verse 2, now have access to grace. You're able to stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And then he says in verse 3, not only that, but we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Verse 6, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's a lot to unpack there, but the emphasis here is your peace with God. The war with God is over. I mean, that's how the Bible describes you apart from Christ. Like, like perhaps you're here today and you aren't in relationship with God. You're upset with God. You maybe are an atheist and you came uh, as a guest perhaps, or you're kind of curious, but, but you're really not interested in the things of God. You're just kind of enduring this time that we call our church service. Well, the Bible says it's more, you're more than just a visitor. You're at war with God. You've taken a position fighting God. You, you've taken a position in your life, in your belief system right now that you want to continue to fight against your creator who loves you, gave his son for you, that while you were without any strength, that's how you're described now, God loves you and demonstrated his love to you by sending his son Jesus into your life. I don't know if you've ever considered that you're at war with God. And you know, there's nothing pretty about war, nothing. At the the very worst, it, it devastates in the loss of life. And if you didn't lose your life, then you lose limbs. And cities and countries are destroyed because of war. Lives are ruined because of war. Minds are devastated. What we now call today PTSD has always been with us. Because the atrocities of war in the physical realm are horrific. They're horrific. But so too are the atrocities of war with God. It destroys lives. People will go their whole life just refusing to believe in God, refusing to agree with God, refusing to admit that God is who He says He is, and yet by faith, you immediately experience peace. And I think that's an important gift that we would treasure, is we have peace. We're no longer fighting God. We're no longer striving. Or even more so, the Father, He has no record of wrong against you anymore. There there is no resistance from God. You now have peace. Not only do you have peace with God, but it comes from the peace of God. You now can enjoy peace and rest.
0: Jesus came to bring you peace. That's the title we've given this final study in Hebrews on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. Hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com.
1: Hey, this is Pastor Ed from Abounding Grace Radio. I wanted to let you know that we just released another book. It's entitled, Face Your Fears. In it, I really want to encourage you in the fears and anxieties and all the worrisome things that are happening in our culture and our world today. Maybe you're feeling it yourself. Maybe fear has visited and it's tripping up anxiety and difficulties in your heart. And I want you to know that as you consider your fears, you might even be feeling stuck, but I know the Lord will strengthen you and help you and help you to overcome, um, because he wants you to walk by faith. And I don't want you to be made fun of. And I know there are those that go, oh, you shouldn't be fearful. But hey, fear's real. What we need to be careful of is how we respond. So get a copy. Get a copy for you and your friend, calvaryco.store. Calvaryco.store. Bless you and encourage you from here at Calvary Church in Colorado.
0: Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of listeners just like you. And as we continue delivering God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. One other thing you might want to check out if you're in the midst of grief or suffering is Pastor Ed's blog. He shares raw thoughts on life, ministry, and grief. That's at edtaylor.org. Thank you for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace.